Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin with the latest from top state health officials on new COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. Both continue to drop. Here in Northern California, under a new tiered system, risk in San Francisco and Napa counties is only considered substantial, which means schools and some businesses can open sooner. But Secretary of Health and Human Services Mark Galley says the risk for the virus in nine other Bay Area counties remains widespread. He adds it'll take time to know if efforts by counties to control the virus are working. All of these concepts and uh, approaches emanate from this notion of slow and stringent is really going to carry us forward so we don't end up having to move back later. With Labor Day coming, Dr. Galley says to stay outside and keep gatherings small. In Sacramento, State Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon has apologized to Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks. That's after Rendon did not let Wicks, who was nursing a newborn, vote by proxy on Monday. That's a story we brought you yesterday. Wicks had wanted to vote from home because of recent COVID-19 cases in the legislature. She brought her baby to work on the floor of the State Assembly where she gave a speech. That prompted criticism of Rendon's decision, not to mention a viral video. He apologized last night. Rendon said it was not his intention to be inconsiderate to Wicks and said he pledged to do better. Wicks says she hopes her experience will serve as a teachable moment. Let's head to the Central Valley now. Most counties there have been on the state's COVID-19 watch list for months and are still restricted under the state's new rating system. For counties where the virus is deemed widespread, schools aren't allowed to reopen for in-person lessons. But Valley Public Radio's Laura Sutsui reports some schools in Tulare County are partially reopening under the jurisdiction of day camps. Carrie Montero with the county's Health and Human Services Agency says while the state does allow day camps to operate, Tulare County doesn't have regulatory authority over them. We cannot approve or deny a school as operating as a day camp because we are not the licensing authority. In some ways, she says, the day camp exception is a loophole. But Larry Baker, superintendent at the Visalia-based Central Valley Christian Schools, disagrees. I wouldn't even call it a loophole. I, I would just say it was a structure set up by the State Department of Health to allow us to enrich our distance learning. When the K-12 schools resume today, students will be on staggered schedules, so only a part of the population will be on the campus at once, and all will wear face coverings inside classrooms. Baker says he's in touch with the health department and is ready to notify parents should a student or a family member test positive. Outside Creek School in Visalia has also resumed in-person classes. For The California Report, I'm Laura Satsui in Fresno. 
A growing number of schools across the state are moving to reopen in-person classes. One piece of the safety equation is improving ventilation systems inside of older school buildings. A bill that would help that happen is now on Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. KQED's Laura Clivens reports. The bill, AB 841, would establish a program to fund upgrades in heating, air conditioning, and ventilation in schools over the next three years. It prioritizes schools in underserved communities and those near freeways and heavy industry. Research has shown that improved ventilation leads to better school attendance, health, and performance. Teresa Pistaccini is an engineer at the UC Davis Energy Efficiency Institute. She says airflow is even more important now with COVID. With the increasing information that airborne exposures risk improving ventilation and filtration in school buildings is really critical to address in any reopening plan. The bill also allocates money to improve school water fixtures and streamline the approval of electric vehicle charging projects. Money for these projects will come from unspent energy efficiency funds from investor-owned utilities. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. Former Governor Jerry Brown is putting a million dollars into defeating a November ballot measure backed by police that would reverse some of the criminal justice reforms he championed in office. KQED's Marisa Lagos has more. Brown is putting $1 million of his nearly $15 million war chest into the No on Proposition 20 campaign, saying the ballot measure would result in more crowded, less safe prisons by eliminating many inmates' hope for release. Men who have been given decades will have no chance to earn their way uh, back to society. And that's fundamental to any kind of criminal justice system, that while you impose punishment, you make room for redemption and rehabilitation. But Proposition 20 spokesman Richard Temple says Brown never told voters that the earlier reforms, including 2016's Proposition 57, would allow people who committed crimes like domestic violence a chance at parole. If the intention was to let out violent people, that's not what they said when they passed Prop 57. The yes side has about $1.6 million in the bank, while the no side says they'll have more than $5 million to spend once Brown's donation arrives. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. State prison officials have identified 6,200 incarcerated Californians who are considered high risk of dying from COVID-19 if they were to contract the virus. But as KQED's Kate Wolf reports, most aren't being considered for release. Since July, the prison system has released 140 high-risk inmates early. But another 4,000 of those medically vulnerable people haven't even been considered. They are serving indeterminate sentences, which means their release date is normally set by a parole board. Lawyers with the prison law office said in a federal court hearing that the state needs to come up with a plan quickly to prevent further COVID-19-related deaths or serious illness. Prison officials say they're working on it. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jason Flom. And you're Maggie Freeling. Hey, Jason. Every day we learn about another person who shouldn't be in prison. 58 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So glad you're home. If you want to be part of this work, listen to Wrongful Conviction. The podcast where we hand the mic to innocent people to hear their stories. How do you send someone innocent to prison? Listen to new episodes of Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling and Jason Flom on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The coronavirus has devastated businesses around the state, some temporarily, others for good. When a business gets slammed, so do its workers and suppliers. Stephanie O'Neill has one story of the pandemic's economic ripple effect. It was 13 years ago when Lisa Gottrich decided to turn her twin passions for pet goats and cheesemaking to profit. So the Sonoma County resident leased a nearby creamery and got to work. The way to make it in agriculture in California is you make a value-added product that you yourself could never afford to buy, and you sell it to venues where you yourself could never afford to dine, and then you're making it fine. (laughs) The handcrafted cheeses Gottrich sells at Bohemian Creamery in Sebastopol are, to say the least, unique. Among them, goat milk cheese rolled in toasted ground seaweed harvested from a nearby beach, and for dessert, a decadent cow cheese stuffed with sweet caramelized goat milk. I named that one Cowabunga. I invent all my cheeses, except for one over there, an old Sicilian Mm. recipe that's 1,377 years old, and I changed nothing. Before long, Gottrich was routinely shipping to renowned Northern California chefs, to high-end hotels and restaurants, and even to the Obama White House. It seemed nothing could slow her sales. Then came the pandemic. Here's Gottrich in early March. Look at this. I got a cancellation from a standing order I always have down at Cavallo Point, which is a big fancy hotel right on the water's edge. Every week they've been ordering from me for the last 13 years. It was the first morning her orders began to tumble. This email just came in from Four Seasons in San Francisco. He says, well, things are not looking very good at all. We are all struggling, having to deal with major business loss. No cheese needed. So how many orders do you have now? One. I would normally have about 32. Among them, a more than decade-long standing order from Vallette, a restaurant in Sonoma's wine country. The pandemic forced chef owner Dustin Vallette to furlough many of his workers and cut or cancel orders from suppliers, Bohemian Creamery included. It was really hard. We helped support a lot of farmers and a lot of small independent contractors and a lot of very small producers. So it was really hard for us to basically reach out to them and say, you know, we don't have a source for your products anymore. And as a result, Bohemian Creamery had to do the same. Gottrich has cut worker hours and canceled orders to suppliers like 27-year-old Mauricio Gutierrez. A ranch hand by day, Gutierrez of Petaluma has been funding his newly established goat dairy by selling 250 gallons of milk each week to Bohemian Creamery. His 2020 plan was to expand his herd and his customer base. After that, I figured I was going to make some sort of profit and I was going to be able to leave my job and be full time with my own dairy. But the collapse of the dining industry has forced him for now to dry up his herd. Yet he and his wife still have 120 hungry mouths to feed. We have to feed the goats out of our own paychecks. So we got to really cut back on whatever we use at home, just buy our necessities because we still got to make sure the goats eat every day. 
Gutierrez says if things don't pick up soon, he'll be forced to give up his dream. But there is a small glimmer of hope. At some restaurants like Villette that have opened outdoor dining areas, customers are coming back. It's a start, but Bohemian Creamery owner Lisa Gottrich says much more is needed, leaving her searching for new retail markets throughout the Bay Area. So in some ways, it almost feels like it did when I was first starting out. How do I create this company? How do I build it? How do I make it a viable business? A question other small business owners throughout the nation are asking themselves as well. For the California Report, I'm Stephanie O'Neill in Sebastopol. Stephanie's reporting is supported through a journalism fellowship funded by Direct Relief. Now to a street artist here in Northern California who's been going out at night and plastering her vibrant illustrations from the Bay Area to Mendocino County. And her work speaks to the moment we are in, offering commentary on life in a pandemic to the death of George Floyd. KQED arts editor Gabe Moline recently spent a night out on the town with her. We called him up so he could tell us a little bit about the experience. Yeah, so a few months ago, I started to notice it. Um, There are these cartoony, colorful paintings that are wheat-pasted to walls and poles, and they all have these positive messages. And as time has gone on, they've acknowledged, like, various current events, like the struggle of sheltering in place, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, After George Floyd's death, there was one that said all mothers were summoned when he called for his mama. They're just very fun and, and relevant. So, Gabe, who is behind this artwork that's popping up everywhere? Well, she goes by the name The Velvet Bandit, and that's almost all I can really say. Why is that? You can't say who she is. Why is that? Technically, what she does is not legal, um, putting art all over public and private property. And how does this woman with the incredible nickname of the Velvet Bandit find the time to do all of this work, this art? Well, you know, I was asking myself the same question, um, especially when I found out that she's a single mom. Um, But she's also like the rest of us, you know, she has a lot of time on her hands right now. Uh, She's maybe a little bored and struggling with how to be helpful to others. And, you know, being, being furloughed from her job certainly helps, too. What is her job? (laughs) You're going to love this. The Velvet Bandit is a school cafeteria aide. Oh, a lunch lady. A lunch lady, yeah. And, you know, she said she always dreamed of having a mom graffiti gang that went around putting up positive messages of love and hope and caring. So now she's basically that one-woman mom graffiti gang. What is the reaction to her work? What's it been like? Well, it's been overwhelmingly positive, you know, um, rather than take her stuff down or scrub her stuff from their walls, there's businesses have actually gotten in touch with her and asked for her to put their art up on their businesses. When I went out with her the other night, you know, people would walk by while she was working and I'd think, oh no, we're busted, you know, but then they'd give a thumbs up and say like, hey, nice mural. You know, I, I think it's just really the right kind of public art for right now in this unprecedented time. You know, maybe my favorite is the most simple. It just says, this is really weird, which, you know, is a nice reminder that you're not the only one who's going through it. Gabe, thank you so much for bringing this story to us. Hey, thanks, Lily. And that's the California Report for this Wednesday, September 2nd. I'm Lily Dramali. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from the California Earthquake Authority. 
urging Californians to prepare to survive and recover from the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at EarthquakeAuthority.com. The California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic. On the web at chcf.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. I'm Jason Flom. And you're Maggie Freeling. Hey, Jason. Every day we learn about another person who shouldn't be in prison. 58 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So glad you're home. If you want to be part of this work, listen to Wrongful Conviction. The podcast where we hand the mic to innocent people to hear their stories. How do you send someone innocent to prison? Listen to new episodes of Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling and Jason Flom on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.